Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. Chapter 8 tonight, and this is our third lesson this year on the Holy Spirit. Of course, we've been set back because we missed, what was it? Did we miss four Wednesday nights? total? I think it was. So we're kind of slow getting going here, but we're going to continue tonight. We're looking at life through the Holy Spirit. And we're looking in Romans chapter 8. The Apostle Paul has a lot to say about the Holy Spirit. And I want, I really want to emphasize tonight the reality of the Holy Spirit within us believers. And it could be in part that we can't see the forest for the trees. The Holy Spirit resides in us, and his work is so consistent and so constant that it's like we might not even realize that he's with us. Or you might have the idea, uh, the mistaken idea, that he's kind of unknowable. The Holy Spirit is just kind of, you know, it's a spirit. The Bible calls it the Holy Ghost. And, you know, we, we don't really know what it's all about. Well, I really hope that when you leave here tonight, you will not only have a better uh, understanding of what the Holy Spirit does in us, but that you leave with the understanding that he is doing it. And, and I, I think we can make that uh, point this evening. So let's begin in Romans chapter 8. Verse number one. This is just the setting. Okay, we're just we're setting the stage. When you when you study anything in in the Bible, you need to look at the context. By the context, you look at okay. Here's in a minute we're going to look at three things that Paul says about the Holy Spirit. But what got him going there? What, what what's he doing? What, what what was the purpose of of what he said? Well, let's start in in verse number one, Romans chapter eight. Paul tells the Romans. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. In other words, if you're saved, you're not condemned. You're saved. You're not going to hell. You're going to heaven. So Paul is talking about people that have gotten saved. Who now, I interject now, who now walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. He's going over basics with them. He said, you are saved now. You are no longer condemned. By the way, that applies to us. And we should be happy with the fact that, guess what? Before we got saved, we were condemned. Before you and I got saved, had we died in our sins, we'd spend eternity in hell. Think about that for a second. If you or I had died in our sins, we would spend eternity in hell. And I've shared with you before, to me, the... The most stark thing about hell is that it is forever. And and as painful and as awful as it will be, there will be no escape from it for anyone who is there or anyone who is going there. But because we got saved, there's no condemnation. We're not going there. We can go home and lay our head on our pillow tonight and sleep well because of the great price that Jesus paid for us. But then after mentioning that there's no condemnation, he, he goes into a little more detail by explaining who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Lost people walk after the flesh. 
Okay, they're guided by their emotions. They're guided by their feelings. They're guided by their passions. I got to believe that that was what was behind somebody inviting a guy that writes horror novels for children to speak to, you know, first through, through eighth graders. I mean, somebody like that. Is there anybody here that would say somebody like that's guided by the Spirit? Well, he had to be guided by the flesh. And again, it's a distinction. It's two different kinds of people in this world, and they're real differences. We, we don't think the same. We don't act the same. We don't do the same. The Bible's acknowledged that. Those are people that walk after the flesh. Paul is saying, we don't walk after the flesh, but after the Spirit. It's the Spirit that promotes righteousness. A spiritual person would say, wait, no, we're not going to give horror material or have a speaker come in and, and speak to kids about that. You know, we're not blind. We can see. We see what that can do and the harm that that can do. So we don't walk after the flesh. We walk after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus made us free from the law of sin and death. Remember, Paul is writing shortly after the transition from the Old Testament to the New Testament. These people for years have been living under the law of the Old Testament And now he is explaining to them that you're free, and the law of the Spirit of Christ has made you free from the law of sin and death. You know, you don't have to make those sacrifices anymore. We're not looking forward to the coming of Jesus, because when Paul writes this, Jesus has come. Then we skip down, verse number 8. Paul is continuing to explain who they are. He's educating these people. And he says, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Unsaved people are totally in the flesh. They cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, talking about us born-again people, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, he says, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ... He is none of his. So what's he talking about? He's talking about the Spirit. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. That if you're in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you are not in Christ. And he says, if Christ be in you, the the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. We want to see people saved. We want to see people, you know, crucify the flesh. We want to see them grow in the Spirit. We want to see the the Spirit producing the righteousness in them. The Spirit producing righteousness. And when a whole community have righteousness, you leave your doors unlocked. When the community is controlled by the flesh, you lock the doors. Skip down to verse number 11. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Paul is talking here at length about the Spirit. The Spirit of God that lives in you. And every one of us in here, I want to believe, I hope, I think, we're all saved. Which means we also share something else in common. The fact that the Spirit of God lives in us. And what I wanted to focus on tonight was specifically uh, the practical work of the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do? 
I believe everybody in this room believes, yeah, the, the, the Holy Spirit's real. And yeah, we understand it's kind of basic Christianity that when you get saved, the Holy Spirit lives in you. But, but what does the Holy Spirit do? And that can be, that may sound simple. Let me go to the Bible and see what the Holy Spirit does. And you go to the Bible and you start finding out that this Pentecostal preacher thinks that the Holy Spirit does this. And this Baptist preacher thinks it does this. And depends on who you talk to. The Holy Spirit can be a challenge because the Holy Spirit has been around, but the Holy Spirit works somewhat differently in the Old Testament than he does in the New Testament. And during that transition period from the Old Testament to the New Testament, that transition, a Pentecost, you know, we, we, we studied that the other day, and, 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 and how it was a sound as of a mighty rushing wind, and uh, uh, cloven tongues of fire were over people's heads. Uh, that was the work of the Holy Spirit. Is that supposed to be done today? You know, and, and there are people that would disagree on that. No, I was, I was a little frustrated the other day because I told Sharon, I said, you know, I believe in intellectual honesty. I, I don't parrot things that I've heard all my life. I, you know, because I, I go back and I hear some of the old preaching, and I said, where did they get that from? And then you start reading that. I said, that's not what that says. That's not what that means. And I was, was I a little frustrated the other morning? I said, when I stand before my people on Wednesday night, I want to be able to tell them with confidence, this is what this says, this is what this means, and this is how it applies to you. Because in some cases, when it's talking about the Holy Spirit in the Bible, it's applying it just to the apostles. In other cases, he's applying it to everybody. And I don't want to get that mixed up. Again, I have this sense of, I call it intellectual honesty, that I've got to be able to, with confidence, stand before you and and say, you know, if something's murky, and there are things in the Bible that people can see it different ways, uh, you know, and then it's murky. And we, we acknowledge, well, it could mean this. It, could, it seemed like I shared that with you the other day. There was something, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'll, I'll think of it after a while, and I'll pause. But the other, and I told you, I said, you know, some people think it's this or that. What was it? Sharon, help me. She never listens to me preach anyway. She wouldn't, she wouldn't remember. But this, tonight, I told Sharon. I mean, I'm sitting in my easy chair, and I'm staying. I got my computer out, and I'm searching, searching, searching. And she, you know, she hears a, a hallelujah from me. She said, you found it. I said, Romans chapter 8. I said, Paul starts off, like we just said, talking to say, he's talking to the Romans. He's not talking to the apostles. He's talking to the regular folks like you and me. And in there, he talks about, we've already covered the introduction. He's talking about, hey, you're no longer under condemnation. You know, we've got to crucify the flesh. We've got to promote the, the, the spirit. We've got to, you know... Starve the black dog, if you will, feed the white dog, the Holy Spirit, the black dog being the flesh. And then he goes into the Holy Spirit. And I love this when I found it. Says, this, I am positive that this was Paul speaking to regular folks like you and me. We don't have to worry about anything here. Three points he makes that you and I can trust applies to us today. 
Okay, because again, some people think, well, tongues are for today, tongues not for today. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, whatever. And and there's times and places to preach on that, whatever. But it was just on my heart that tonight I wanted to get something I know is practical, and there's no doubt who it's for, and there's no doubt what he's saying. Let's look at those three things. Okay, after that introduction that we just read, Paul comes, we come down to verse number 12, and we learn from Paul, because he's talking to us, the Holy Spirit battles sin. He says in verse number 12, okay, we've worked from verse number 1, now we're down to verse number 12. After talking about us being born again, no longer under condemnation, he says, therefore, brethren, we are debtors. Not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if we live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye, through the Spirit, talking to regular folks, carpenters, mechanics, what have you, but if ye, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. One of the things Paul was teaching then that applies today is we possess the Holy Spirit. In his introduction, he's already acknowledged that. One of the primary points of the Holy Spirit is it battles sin. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body. Mortify means to to subdue, to kill, to get victory over the body, the works of the flesh. That's what the Spirit does. Two quotes. By the Spirit, it is not within a man of himself, of his own power, his own will, to be able to put to death sin, man's responsibility. It is only by the Spirit, God's provision, by cherishing and cultivating his influences. The Spirit gives us the want to and energizes that want to so that it can produce a result pleasing to God. What God requires of believers can only be accomplished by the Holy Spirit who indwells us. Another writer says concerning this, again, Paul is telling you and I that the Spirit of God in us can help us to mortify, kill, subdue those still evil, wicked, sinful impulses that are in us. Okay, when you get saved, you do have the Holy Spirit, but you still have the flesh, okay? And he's saying the Holy Spirit there is to mortify the body. In the second quote, he says, spiritual growth comes when we do our parts as we rely upon the Holy Spirit's enablement. True spirituality is neither entirely passive, let go and let God, nor entirely active. I've got to do this all by myself. This verse balances a moment-by-moment dependent upon the, a dependence upon the Spirit with a tough-minded attitude towards the flesh. Is the spiritual life dependent upon God or upon me? The answer is yes. I cannot do it without God. God will not do it without me. And the good news is the flesh wants to... I told a couple that I'm doing some marriage counseling with, I said, listen, all this Dr. Harley material, that's the mechanics, that's the tools, but it won't amount to a hill of beans if your spirit isn't right. I said, if you and your husband are dominated by your flesh, 
you're going to repel one another because the flesh is selfish. The flesh is narcissistic. And I said, you cannot, you will never be the couple you're supposed to be if you're selfish and narcissistic. That's the works of the flesh. You've got to promote the spirit. The spirit is humble. The spirit is meek. And when, you, when the, two, the husband and wife are dominated by the spirit, it brings people together. Again, they're, real practical things hinge on whether we're walking in the flesh or walking in the spirit. Let me just read this to you. Ray Steadman, he's a preacher, offers an interesting illustration on the spiritual war involving the evil flesh and the spirit of God. He says, at the close of World War II, a picture appeared in a magazine showing a soldier in conflict with a tank. He says, I remember the picture vividly because it was in color and it showed a tremendously huge army tank bearing down on the tiny figure of the soldier about to crush him. How frightened he was as the massive tank was about to overwhelm him. The picture was designed to show the odds involved when the foot soldier with a rifle faced the tank. Then it showed what happened to the soldier's odds when the bazooka... A rocket launcher was invented. It showed him now standing with a bazooka in his hands. It was the same soldier, but he had a different weapon. The next picture showed the tank shrunken in size now with a soldier at least equal in size, if not a little larger. This guy says, this is what Paul is saying to us. Without the power of God released in our lives, we're like an infantry soldier in the presence of a tank. We cannot do a thing. It is too much for us. But by trust in the power of the living God at work in us, we can rise up in the face of temptation and armed with the bazooka of the Spirit, if you will, we can say yes to the Spirit and no to the flesh, and He will make it stick. We can turn and begin to live as God intended us to. To live. So, what can I say with certainty? Paul is saying here, not not to. It's not limited to apostles, but saying to regular folks like you and I, he's saying, with the Spirit of God, it can mortify the flesh, the flesh which tends to be selfish, carnal, wicked, the flesh that causes husbands and wives to fight with one another and and repel one another. No, by mortifying the flesh, it can make two people Christ-like and humble and appreciative and with servants' hearts. So how, how how is this working in our lives today? You know, is the Holy Spirit just some enigma that we can't figure out? Listen, think about this as it relates to the Holy Spirit battling sin. We believe what the Bible says about sin. We experience guilt when we sin, do wrong. We experience joy when we do right. Lost people experience nothing like that. What's the difference? It's the Holy Spirit. The reality of the Holy Spirit in your life day in and day out. 
That's the reality of it. I, I believe in this group that you, that you really believe what the Bible says about sin. Unsaved people don't care what the Bible says about sin. What's the difference? It's the Holy Spirit. We experience guilt when we do wrong. They don't. They may experience guilt when they get caught. What's the difference? What made the difference? Our salvation and the Holy Spirit moving in. And we experience joy when we do right. You know, so, someone was sharing with me before the service tonight something they've done for a few days they've been working on and they're happy about and they're happy about it. Lost people don't care. What's the difference? It's the Holy Spirit. So Paul tells him, oh, I gotta be quick here. Number one, verse number twelve, after he introduces us to this topic, the Holy Spirit battles sin. Number two. He says to the same group of people and to us in verse number 14, the Holy Spirit leads saints. He leads us. He goes on to say in verse number 14, we're in the same passage, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, (coughs) they are the sons of God. People that have the Holy Spirit are led by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit actively guides and directs people. And he may have been doing it so long in your life that you've become so familiar, you might not even be aware of that. One writer says, to be led by the Spirit is a very personal term. It means to be led by the hand, to be personally escorted by a tour guide. The Holy Spirit takes your hand and leads you through the difficulties of life. Another writer said, he didn't say as many as read their Bibles, these are the sons of God. He didn't say as many as are patriotic Americans, these are the sons of God. He didn't say as many as take communion, these are the sons of God. In this text, the test of sonship is whether or not a person is led by the Spirit of God. And let me just real quick chase a a rabbit briefly here. What does that mean, being led by God? Here's the basics for understanding it. How do you know you're being led by God? Number one, he always leads you to glorify Jesus Christ. Not self, not an idea, not a project, not a ministry, not an ideology, not a theology, not an image. He always leads you to glorify uh, Jesus Christ. When you're glorifying Jesus Christ, you are doing that under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And number two, he always leads you to truth. God's word alone is truth. That is why he is called the spirit of truth. That is the spirit who is characterized in every way by truth. And we need to understand that. That not only does the spirit help us to battle sin, but the spirit of God actually leads us. And let me give you the, the application here. The fact that you left your old friends, old habits, and old amusements... That's explainable by the work of the Holy Spirit. There are people in this room that if you would have met them 20, 30, 40 years ago, you would not know them. So totally different. They do not run around with the crowd they used to. They don't do the things they used to do. And there's an explanation for that. They're doing things different because they are being led By the Spirit of God. The fact that you read your Bible, say your prayers, go to church, indicates the leading of the Holy Spirit. Because lost people don't experience that. 
Why are we here tonight and they are not? You are here, that impulse in you that said, I'm going to church. That is just what Paul said. That's, that's us being led by the Holy Spirit. Why are not all the lost people in this community and church tonight, here or wherever? There, there's no impulse to be there. There's no desire to be there. You know, there, there's no reason for them to be there. What happened to you? You got saved and the Holy Spirit moved in. He is so active in our lives, I think oftentimes we don't even realize what he is doing and the fact that he is doing it. So Paul says to these people, after saying, hey, you're no longer under condemnation. And now you got the Spirit with you that's battling your flesh. And then he begins to explain, here's what the Spirit will do for you. It'll help you mortify the flesh. The Spirit will lead you. And then lastly, number three, the Holy Spirit assures salvation. The Holy Spirit assures salvation. Here's what Paul says. And again, I can't emphasize this enough to regular folks. Again, there are times in the Bible when the Holy Spirit is being taught and the reference is to a a certain people, limited to a certain people at a certain time. And In in some cases, it's a one-time event that really doesn't apply to us today. This applies. What, What Paul is talking about here applies. So in verse number 15, he says, For ye have not received the Spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The Holy Spirit assures us that we are now, again, the children of God. Lost people look at us, scratch their heads today, and, and think, how, how can they believe that? The Holy Spirit has residence in us. The Holy Spirit is teaching us, admonishing us, encouraging us. The Holy Spirit assures us. Uh, one writer says adoption, as the term clearly implies, is an act of transfer from an alien family into the family of God himself. This is surely the apex of grace and privilege. And then goes on to say, if you receive Christ, you are adopted. The Spirit is poured out into your hearts to confirm and make real our adoption. How does he do that? According to Romans 8.15, he does it by replacing the fear of a slave towards a master with the love of a son towards the father. So... We look at the application. You have tonight an affection for, an appreciation for God that lost people do not experience. And you have it because you got saved. The Holy Spirit took up residence in you and has been with you all the way and gives you, according to what Paul is saying here, gives you that 
sense of adoption, that knowledge of adoption, that, that appreciation of adoption. You didn't come up with that appreciation on your own any more than lost people have come up with it because they haven't come up with it. Well, why have you come up with it? Because you've been indwelt with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit also gives you an affection and appreciation for the family of God. You love coming together. I love seeing you greet one another and, and, and chit-chat with one another and on Sunday between the meals. And I, I, I love seeing you hang around after church and, you know, just take your time and you hate, hate to leave, you know. Guys down in the bar room have no desire to be here, no appreciation uh, for that whatsoever. There's something fundamentally different between you and the bar room crowd. So, something really different because you love the family of God that we sing about sometimes. What's the difference? It's the Holy Spirit. Paul said that spirit gives you that sense of adoption, that awareness of adoption. Lost people don't experience those things. It means nothing to them. There's a real difference. And I think it's growing, growing even more stark as we see this world plunge deeper into depravity. There's a real difference there. And the explanation is, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit working to save us, working to seal us, working to sanctify us. So what can I tell you with 100% confidence tonight? Because, again, I'm just going to be honest with you, which I always am. But there's some passages about the Holy Spirit. I told Sharon, I said, no, I don't want to go there because I'm not real sure. Now, I've heard that talk before, but as I read it now and got a few more miles under my belt, and I want to be intellectually honest, I'm not going to parrot things. You know, i, I got to be convinced in my heart that I'm being intellectually honest with you. And I, I was like a kid in a candy factory when I found this Romans chapter 8 because I knew I'd found it. This is Paul being real practical to real people. There's no question who he's talking to and what he's trying to say. And we learn from this that the Holy Spirit battle sin when we mortify the flesh. The Holy Spirit leads the saints and the Holy Spirit that gives us the assurance of our salvation. I hope we go home tonight with a greater sense and a greater appreciation of the fact that the Holy Spirit is here. Look, we, we got all kind of people out there trying to get us to doubt our faith. A lot of people out there questioning our faith. And if you listen to enough of that, you're, you're liable to find yourself waffling. So tonight you come and you hear God's word and you read this and you say, you know, I just face value. Looking out in the laboratory of life, that makes sense. That explains everything. We'll close with quoting one of my favorite preachers, A.W. Tozer. Boy, godly man with a deep abiding, practical faith. He said, The Spirit-filled life is not a special, deluxe edition of Christianity. It is part and parcel of the total plan of God 
for his people. In other words, the Holy Spirit is not for the, well, like he said, the spiritual elite. You know, Billy Sunday, he sure had the Spirit. And Charles Spurgeon sure had the Spirit. So do you. So do you. And we've proved it tonight. Proved it from Scripture. So do you. It's a wonderful thing that as we hop in our cars in a little while and we head off, some to Grayling, some to Fairview, Curran, Lupton, Grayling. Nobody goes to McKinley ever for any reason. There's no reason to go there. But as we go, the Holy Spirit is in the car with us. Just as real as can be, and I hope, because you were in church tonight, more real than ever. Let's stand. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Mile Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.